Welcome back to the Business of Biotech. I'm your host, Matt Piller, and today I'm bringing you a pivot story engineered by Dr. Anat Cohen-Dyag and executed at CompuGen, the company she's led for the past decade. Now, Dr. Cohen-Dyag is not your stereotypical biotech entrepreneur. She didn't follow the MBA, venture capital, pick a sexy and marketable indication du jour path to biopharma leadership. After earning her PhD at Israel's prestigious Wiseman Institute of Life Sciences in 96, she spent the next several years at the bench in various science and R&D capacities at companies including Orgenix, a subsidiary of then Invernus Medical, which is now part of Abbott, MindSense Biosystems, and eventually CompuGen. Once there, in just eight years, she climbed from VP of Diagnostic Biomarkers and Drug Testing to president and CEO, and in short order, she transformed the company from a computational biology service provider to a therapeutic discovery and development company focusing on cancer immunotherapy. Dr. Cohen-Dyag, we are thrilled to have you on the show today, and I want to open up our conversation by asking you just where you started. A pivot from computational biology services to a true biotherapeutic company with a fast-developing pipeline has got to require an incredible change management and personnel initiative. So where did you begin? First, we started with uh, cultivating uh, the corporate culture of learning and making sure that people uh, are going in a mode of self-learning and trying to open the, the and push the limits as much as possible. We also uh, engaged with key opinion leaders in the field, in each of the fields that we needed to address. Immuno-oncology, oncology, immunology, business, financial, and learn, learn, learn. Get to know how to ask questions, how to get answers, how to blend all the information, and finally make decisions on our own. Because at the end of the day, the people that are consulting to you are not the people that can make the decisions. So that was one thing. And the second thing was to hire. And we actually hire in a gradual manner as the company progressed. So first, we needed to to make sure that we hire and and complement not the drug development expertise, that was the second layer, Mm -hmm. but first as a company that is discovering completely new drug targets, completely new. We knew that we needed to unlock the biology. This is usually stuff that is being done by academia. And the first time that a drug target gets to therapeutic uh, um, development in pharma, in biotech, usually is after 5, 10, 15 years of research by academia. We discover completely new drug targets and there's no biology behind it. We needed to unlock the biology. So we needed to build an infrastructure to do that, to build the capabilities and also to enter into collaborations with academia that can help us. And, you know, we have long-term collaboration with Johns Hopkins that is actually working on all the drug targets in the pipeline. So that was one. And then we needed to incorporate drug development expertise, first preclinical, and in order to shorten the learning curve or to flatten the learning curve, 
curve. And uh, we went to the Bay Area and uh, and hired uh, uh, employees that had experience with the antibody players in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And uh, we then added also clinical capabilities. So this is um, we're now actually a global company. Um, with the notion that you hire the expertise where it exists, mainly as an Israeli company mm-hmm. that don't have all the expertise here in Israel, we needed to broaden our search. And today we have, we're global. We have the clinical team in the US, in the West Coast, and computational discovery management member in Singapore, business development in Switzerland, and R&D and GNA in Israel. Today, in the COVID, under the COVID-19 situation, I think that uh, many, many companies are uh, actually working in this way, but, uh, but yeah. uh, we started it years ago. When you, um, so you, you know, you talked about sort of the, the personnel development post pivot. Um, you, you, you make this pivot in 2010. How long did it take from a personnel standpoint? How long did it take before you felt like, okay, we've got the right people in place to be functional as a, as a company that's setting out to develop its own pipeline? Actually, it was, it was, um, I have to say that we first needed to know that we have the critical mass of capabilities. That was the trigger to the transition. That was the first trigger to the transition. Mm. And then we built the additional layers in a modular manner. So we didn't need to hire everyone. Every, for every step that we needed to take, we needed to ensure that we have the right people. And it's not always started by hiring, not at all. Okay. We started by engaging key opinion leaders that incorporated the knowledge to the company, to the employees that we already had. And then we went to look for, to, uh, to hire. I, I, I'll also uh, uh, share with you that, you know, it's not, when you go to hire and you're looking for real talents, you also need to be attractive. And how would you be attractive if you don't have yet the pipeline? So how can you attract drug development talents when you don't have a pipeline or you have a very early stage pipeline and that doesn't fit to the stage that they want to, to manage? So we needed to do many things with the, with the current personnel that we had in the company and to grow the company to fit to, to the talents that we want to hire. And then at a certain point in time, it became, you know, the the transition was uh, to the point that, yes, talents were looking to get to to be enrolled to Compugen. But it it didn't start in this way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, so let's talk about that, that pipeline for a minute and, and the early days, what went into the determination around what you would target, what, what indications you would target, how you would build that pipeline out? What, What was the thought process from scratch, like from, from the very beginning? So we first needed to say, okay, which area of focus we're going to, where we're going to focus. And and the idea was to focus on target discovery. And why target discovery? Because target discovery is uh, very complex. 
even even with respect from my perspective, even with respect to other computational biology areas, mm-hmm. it's very complex, it's multifactorial, and we felt that we have the capabilities to deal with it. So it was clear to us that it would be target discovery. We felt that our databases also fit this type of uh, discoveries. And and, uh, we moved into antibody therapeutics because um, we thought that that's a shortest path to the the clinic as compared to to small molecules or not to the clinic, to the market, sorry. The reason to pick um, immuno-oncology, actually in the beginning we picked immunology and oncology. And I'll tell you what were the reasons. Actually, there were two reasons for that. One, we understood that our databases, the data sources that we have, fits oncology and immunology. And second, by discovering new drug targets, we realized that there is a family of proteins that starts to get attention. These are termed immune, were termed back then immune checkpoints, with the notion that targeting those proteins, you may interfere between the crosstalk of the cancer cells and the immune cells, where the cancer cells are actually inhibiting the immune system response against the cancer. And the reason we're focusing on this, it's because Yervoy and Orencia. So Orencia is a Yervoy is an antibody that is targeting a protein, an immune checkpoint protein. And that's a drug developed by uh, bristol myers Back then it was Medarex but it was acquired by Bristol-Myers-Squibb. And Orenzi is targeting is actually built as a drug for autoimmune diseases based on the same protein. So we actually saw that there, are, that there is an option for uh, specific drug targets, and in this case, immune checkpoints, to serve for the generation of two different drugs. One in cancer, addressing cancer uh, challenges, and on the other hand, for autoimmune diseases. And from our perspective, as a small company that wants to make a break, a breakthrough, and and we wanted to get the best out of what we uh, discovered, we thought that it would be good for us to enter the field of oncology and immunology with the focus on immune checkpoint proteins where we could, if we can identify new such proteins, we could come up with two types of drugs for oncology and for immunology from specific drug targets that we'll identify. So that was the reason for us to to enter this field. When we realized uh, back then, um, the immuno-oncology field in 2010 really didn't exist. Mm -hmm. There were... There was some data published by Medarex. It was the trigger for later, you know, for the acquisition of uh, Medarex by BMS. And we thought that if this is correct, and immune checkpoints may serve as the basis to generate drugs for cancer immunotherapy treatment uh, development, 
then maybe, just maybe, we can find out additional immune checkpoints and generate new treatment solutions. And from our perspective, it was the combination of the business opportunity and the capabilities that we have in this field and the notion that we can come up with two drugs per product back then. Mm-hmm. Were, you, um, were, were you required to, to uh, develop any... A la- like your your laboratory presence as you as you move as you so you discover you know you 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 set some target indications you get into discovery uh, you know you you start to develop a pipeline did you invest in in lab space and sort of be you know move move away from the uh, you know the the, the co- computers to the uh, to the wet lab. Yeah, we didn't need to move away because we wanted to keep them close to us, but we needed to add. So I'll take you step by step. So first, you know, first we needed to come up with new drug targets that we want to invest in. And obviously there are big questions. What is it that you want to focus on? Why it will be differentiated? At the end of the day, which type of drug you will generate? You know, when we come up today with drugs to the market, no one is looking, oh, the significance of the drug is just because Compugen discovered it by computer prediction. No, the significance of the drug is that it can compete with other drugs and it could outperform. So we needed to know all this back then. How are we going from step one to step 100? So focus on specific drug targets and building a laboratory that can test it experimentally. And then when you test it experimentally and you have a heat rate, but only some pass, what are you going to do with them? How are you going to reach from a drug target that you validated, initial validation, to generate a drug, to generate an antibody that will serve as a drug that will target this drug target and how it will fit specific indication. So we needed to build the uh, experimental systems and tools in order to do all this research. First, starting by in vitro studies in the tube, then moving to animal studies, what is called in vivo, also testing in human tissue samples to be translational to humans, and then launch programs that has do all what is called IND enabling studies, studies that we can submit to the FDA in order for them to approve to us to get to clinical studies and then the clinical trials. So for each portion, we needed to, to add the relevant capabilities. And sometimes it was in-house, so building the laboratory in-house and yes, and we moved to a new space and, and we needed to make sure that the, the, the experimental team know how to speak with the computational team uh, in order to make, to make breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we, we've built a, a, a site in South San Francisco for preclinical and clinical capabilities. Mm-hmm. The Business of Biotech is brought to you in partnership with Cytiva. Together, we're committed to helping the leaders of new and emerging biopharma companies navigate the financial, organizational, human resources, and regulatory waters you'll encounter on your way from discovery to the clinic and beyond. Check out a host of useful resources for biotech leaders at Cytiva's Emerging Biotech Accelerator, 
at cytivalifesciences.com backslash emerging biotech. That's C-Y-T-I-V-A lifesciences.com backslash emerging biotech. That, that, is that all in-house or are you outsourcing any of the development and, 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 and production capabilities? So actually we started by having, you know, on, on the experimental front, on the early stage, and mostly in-house, some is done under collaboration with academia, as I uh, uh, mentioned, the Hopkins uh, uh, collaboration, long-term collaboration with Professor Drupal Dahl. And we also are outsourced some of the some of the studies uh, uh, at the early stage to CROs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pre-clinical, up until two years ago, we had it internally. Um, Two years ago, we decided that we pursue it uh, by outsourcing. So most of the preclinical work is done by outsourcing. Clinical, we have the clinical team, but obviously, you know, the studies being done in different uh, clinical sites uh, all over the U.S. Mm -hmm. What, uh, what, what, how did you, how did you fund some of these capital investments during the pivot, right? Like you, you've got, you've, you've got to do some, we talked about the hiring you have to do. You've got, uh, you know, some, some lab development. Um, how, I know we're, we're covering a lot of ground here. We're going from the, you know, from the, from the, uh, from the server room to the, to the, to the lab to, to funding, but I'm curious how, how you went about funding the, the pivot in its entirety. Was there a, uh, a, a concerted fundraising effort attached to it? Um, yeah, so as you said, everything needed to work in parallel and all the challenges were on the plate all the time. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so uh, looking at from the capital perspective, we were a public company, so we went public already in 2000. Mm-hmm. And it's a different company, obviously. And so we could leverage the fact that we are a public company and we use different financial instruments to bring money in order to initiate the pipeline first. And then when we had enough um, um, proof or uh, early stage data, we could start thinking about uh, uh, public offerings. So after showing some data and entering into our first pipeline collaboration, when we we entered into a collaboration with Bayer, where we we licensed to them um, uh, the rights to develop uh, um, drugs for one of the targets that were identified, uh, following this collaboration, we went to the first public uh, uh, offering, a secondary, obviously. And uh, after, and recently, after presenting some clinical data and having uh, three collaborations in place with Bristol-Myers Squibb and AstraZeneca on top of Bayer, three leading uh, pharma companies, we went to another uh, round of uh, offering. So that was more or less the way how we progress. Yep. Do you still, so, you know, your, your background seems fitting to your, your background, like pre-Compugen seems fitting. 
how do I want to put it? I, I guess it, it feels as though you're the right person at the right place at the right time to lead CompuGen through this pivot back in 2010 and the ensuing years that it's taken to, you know, mature the company, given your, your science background, right? Like, do, do you, do you find now though, that you're like this combination of computational biology and, and drug development uh, gives you a competitive differentiator moving forward? Like, are you still leaning heavily into that compu- computational biology sort of discovery process that the company was rooted in as, as you move forward and build out your future pipeline? Definitely. Definitely, yes. Um, I think that we have two key differentiators um, and today, by the way, I'm so happy to see in the last two years that there, there is some uh, um, uh, more focus on computational discovery in the fields of life sciences, on many fields of life sciences. And I'm completely thrilled and, and a great believer um, uh, on, this, uh, on this front. So... I, from our perspective, there are two key differentiating factors. Um, one, the fact that our engine, the computational engine, today is proven in a way, actually, we have three drug targets that moved from computer prediction to clinical studies through successful preclinical studies. And I'm not aware, at least in the field of target discovery, I'm not aware of uh, additional such uh, successes. So this is one that is differentiating us. And, you know, we can discuss what's the status of the company today and why I'm calling it a proof of concept. And the other thing is that we're not only in silico discovery company. Mm-hmm. We've integrated drug development expertise, immune oncology expertise into these capabilities. And that matters a lot. And I'll tell you why. And I can say that because we work for many years, computational discovery only company, in silico discovery only company. When you start with the end in mind, it matters. You're less naive with respect to your computational output. Obviously, there is hit rate. And you don't know that until you understand the other side of the, of the story. And, and you can better select, you can better appreciate what is needed and what is not needed when you're an integrated uh, discovery and development company. Mm-hmm. And also, I think what differentiates us is the drugs that we have. Today, we have three first-in-class drug candidates that we're very proud of. Yeah. Yeah, you, uh, you brought up that... Um competitive, competitive landscape. And that's a very interesting point, given that, you know, earlier in our conversation, we talked about the fact that CompuGen was ahead of its time when it was in computational biology. And now you find yourself in a, in a pretty heavily populated competitive environment. Um, what do you, you know, what- I just want to add that is correct. But if you ask me, okay, would you want now to get back to this uh, situation where you're only focusing on discovery collaborations and and no i think that what we were doing in trying to push forward to drugs to generate drugs based on our 
capabilities, I think that's the right path for the company. And mm-hmm. acting on the edge that I just described, that's the right path for patients, for shareholder value, and, and really to fulfill this dream that we all had in 2010 to translate our computational discoveries into drugs yeah. that matters. Yeah. So let's talk about those drugs. Uh, you, you, you alluded a little bit to, to the pipeline. You've got uh, how many, how many uh, projects do you have in, in place? How many candidates do you have in place right now? So in the Pu- clinic, publicly? in clinical studies, we have three uh, programs. And behind it, we have additional multiple programs in early stage. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so, so give us, a, I guess, a, a, a clinical update on the three that are in, in clinic now. Sure. Um, before I will focus on the on the, uh, the specific clinical uh, uh, data, I just share that we we picked to focus on the discovery of drug targets for cancer immunotherapy and focus on those patients that are not responding to cancer immunotherapy. So I don't know if you're aware of this, but today. It's only 20 to 30% of the cancer patient population that is responsive to cancer immunotherapy drugs. The rest of the 70 to 80% of the population is not responsive to the current marketed drugs. Mm. So we decided to focus on this front and try to discover new drug targets, new biological pathways that are actually ongoing in the human body that you need to target in order to and help the immune system to fight the cancer. So with that in mind, we discovered, so now we have three programs in the clinic. All of them are addressing new drug targets and, um, for cancer immunotherapy. The leading program is COM701. It is addressing a completely new biological pathway that we discovered that has its own merit and while we're very excited about it to serve as a cancer immunotherapy treatment, but basically what we discovered is that this pathway is working in parallel and in complement with another pathway that we discovered in 2009. Back then, as you know by now, we weren't a, a drug development company and we just sent it to publication. It was published, it was sent to publication back to back with another big pharma company. And when we established our own pipeline, we decided not to focus on this specific pathway. We didn't feel that we can compete with the, with the, um, uh, with big pharma that is developing a drug for this pathway. But when we, dis- we realized that we discovered the new pathway that is actually having a molecular intersection with the, with the old one, we decided that we're going to focus on both. Mm. And what we also identified that the two of them are actually interacting in a way with, the, with a third pathway. That is, that is the pathway that has a, mark, a drug in the market. And these few drugs in the market that are addressing the same pathway, this is the PD-1 pathway. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just say that the PD-1 pathway is the backbone of the industry today. The patients that are responsive to cancer immunotherapy drugs are those patients that are responsive to the PD-1 pathway drugs. And we came up 
with additional two pathways. One of them is already addressed by another pharma and now, you know, with few pharmas. And the third one, the one that is targeted by COM71, is only addressed by, was, on, was only addressed by us. So we felt that we bring to a three pathway story, one of them, uh, to one of them, a pathway that is very, that is very unique and different and can serve as the missing piece in order to treat patients that are not responsive to current drugs, okay? And based on that three pathway story that we identified, we've built all our clinical strategy to test the drugs that we have as, a, as a monotherapy, as combination therapy, in dual combination of combining two drugs or three drugs. That's the basis of our collaboration with Bristol Mersquib. Bristol Mersquib has marketed drugs to treat, P, uh, to target PD-1, which is one of the current uh, blockbusters in the, in the market. Mm-hmm. They also have a drug targeting the second pathway and, and we're using our own drug for the third pathway. And this is how we're, we're actually uh, um, having a study that is addressing this three pathway hypothesis that we came up with. The data that we, that we actually showed up until today supporting the computational discovery that we've made is actually very encouraging. For COM701, we've already shared data from just very early stages of the study, from the dose escalation stages of the study. We treated patients that are actually that have exhausted all other treatment solutions. These are patients that are really suffering, they have no other treatments. And we actually had a study that treated what is called all comers, patients from different type of uh, cancer indications. And what we saw is that uh, we had uh, not only that the drug was safe, well tolerated and uh, and safe, but also it uh, showed some anti-tumor activity. We saw that there is a high rate of disease um, uh, of response to, to the drug. And we also found out that uh, this response is durable. And uh, in some cases, we saw a deep response that has to do with specific indications that are not responsive to the current marketed drugs. For example, colorectal cancer and a type of ovarian cancer that are not necessarily responsive to this checkpoint blockers to these drugs that are in the market now and actually showed some response to our drug. So these are very preliminary uh, clinical data and uh, based on very small number of patients. But we're now expanding these patient populations and we're testing different combinations of drugs and and, uh, looking forward to, to share more data. I'll just say one more thing. The target that I stated that we published and sent to publication in 2009, back to back with another pharma company, mm-hmm. already showed by, by this other pharma company um, encouraging clinical data. So this target was also showing two things. The first, our prediction was correct. 
the computational prediction was correct. So that's proof of concept for us. And also that out of the three pathway story that we came up with, with PD-1 and this specific uh, uh, target that was identified uh, with another uh, pharma company and our new pathway, that now we have data supportive of all these three pathways suggesting that our hypothesis is correct. So the PD-1 pathway is validated, the other pathway was already validated by another pharma company, and we have encouraging data for, for our own third pathway. And from our perspective, that's a big, huge plus in order to think about the future of, uh, of the strategy that we're taking. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can, it's, it's interesting. You know, you, you talk about the the fact that there's some, some good valid data coming from a pharma company, you know, back in 2009 that you sort of developed that IP for handed over to them. And now it's kind of come full circle back to you. And that, that's a good thing, but I can't help but wonder Dr. Cohen Diag, if, you know, given your long history with the company, if you look back at pre 2010, some of the computational biology that back when you were a service provider, you handed off to other pharma companies. I can't help but wonder if some of those, you kind of think to yourself, ooh, I wish we could have that one back right now. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I totally understand. One correction, we didn't hand over the IP to Big Pharma on this specific asset uh, uh, that okay. I described. They discovered it simultaneously. So, you know, that's just to be fair uh, uh, with them as well. But uh, on the service model, you know what? We didn't hand over the capabilities. They, we were doing, in some of the cases, we were doing the analysis for them. Mm -hmm. they, they, they were exposed to the capabilities, but I, you know, I don't think that uh, anymore that this is a situation where we, uh, when we're looking backward and say, oh, maybe they can compete with us with, with these capabilities that they became aware of. No, and I'll tell you why, for two reasons. First, the world moves so fast in terms of technology, computational capabilities, biological data generation. It is, you need to be updated all the time. You can't, you can't go backward and, and look backward and say, oh, I needed this one. So that's one thing. Yeah. The second thing is that um, we stopped this uh, model to work through this model actually in 2004. So, you know, we've, We've, we've built for additional six years, we had time to build capabilities um, in a mix and match manner. So now we actually have a suite of tools that we can combine in a mix and match manner. And we also add what we need. Um, so this is just, you know, just to be fair, I think that um, this field of computational discovery is moving so fast. It's whatever you developed uh, years ago, not necessarily this is the right thing to use today. Yeah, yeah, very, very good point. Um, so we're we're running short on time here, Dr. Anak Koeg, uh, or I'm sorry, Cohen Dieg. Um, <laughs> I told you, I told you I'd mess that up. 
and I told you that it's fine. I'll correct you. <laughs> yeah, we can we can cut that part out. Uh, as as we run short on time, though, uh, share with us what what the next big step is for CompuGen. What's what's the next big big step on your horizon? Um, so there are a few. Um, I think that uh, definitely on the front of the clinical studies for COM seven hundred one. For COM902, which is the second program for us, uh, we're pushing pushing forward few clinical studies. As I said, monotherapy, combination therapy, doublet, triplet. That's from our perspective. In the uh, in the next few years, we will have multi. We should have multiple uh, drivers on this uh, front. Obviously, you know. Things need to work, and and uh, the clinical data will tell us uh, um, the story. But uh, definitely on the execution front, we should have we should have uh, data readouts uh, in order to uh, to drive the company forward. Um, also, the fact that we have additional early stage programs that should feed our clinical uh, stage pipeline. Hopefully, this will translate to additional new programs, generating new breakthroughs in the understanding of uh, new biological pathways. And the third one is, you know, relates always to our computational engine. Mm -hmm. We hope to continue in a sustainable way to feed our own pipeline with our own discoveries, with new programs that will hopefully generate new treatment solutions. Yeah. Well, it's an exciting time and a, an exciting story. I congratulate you again uh, on on that pivot way back when and the success that your company has found uh, in the years since. Thank you very much, Matt. It was great speaking with you. Thank you. It's been our pleasure. Thank you for joining us. So that's Dr. Anat Cohen-Diag. I'm Matt Piller, and this is the Business of Biotech. We're produced by uh, we're produced by Bioprocess Online in partnership with Cytiva, a company that's committed to nurturing new and emerging biotechs on their journey from concept to clinic and beyond. Tangible proof of that commitment exists at Cytiva.com backslash emerging biotech. So two tabs open right now, Cytiva.com backslash emerging biotech and bioprocessonline.com where you can subscribe to my newsletter. And if you want to make one more click, make it the fifth star on the right of this podcast landing page. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Thank you.